I'll tell you what, we had so much fun this week. Uh, yesterday we had a big day, everybody was out here, it was warm, and uh, we were spraying each other with water, and there, where there was this giant foam bubble machine, and uh, we were having fun. And, and one of our values, I was just talking to several who were there, and I said, you know, this is part of who we are right here, uh, doing this sort of thing, because, uh, uh, because we love Jesus. So it's so good to be here with you, church. Uh, I'm glad to be here this morning. Hey, next week is Father's Day, and, and men, uh, I want you to be here. I want you to bring your friends. Uh, there are going to be gift cards, and you do need to bring your smartphones. That's all I'm going to say, okay? So uh, next week, you're going to want to be here for that. Uh, speaking of fathers, I, I was thinking uh, about this really, really, really great dad. This really great dad decides that uh, he's got three kids and, and he wants to help them out. Uh, and so he does that by, um, by strategically placing some money uh, in areas of their life for, for his oldest son. His oldest son has some uh, school loan debt. He's got some student loans he hasn't quite paid off yet, and, and uh, he knows that he's trying to make his way, and, and so he says, you know what, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expunge all of the rest of his student loans. He had, he had $36,337 left on his student debt, and he said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to pay for all the rest. It's all going to go away. So he can go debt-free, continue forward, no more student loans. How many of us would love dad like that? No more student loans. He has a daughter right there in the middle, and she's about to move into her first home. Uh, they're trying to scrape together enough money so that they can get a down payment. And the, and the dad says, you know what, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something about this. And so he says, I'm, I'm going to go 30% down for you, honey, $47,934 later. He says, I, I, I hope you enjoy your home, 30%. Here you go. No, no strings attached. He gives it to her. I love you. Uh, here you are, $47,000. The, the last, the youngest son, he had a problem with this little piece of credit card, this plastic that was in his wallet. Uh, he decided uh, time after time that he would just go and, and uh, you know, go on a spending spree when he was younger. And uh, he, he's much better now. He's on a tight budget. But, you know, that's credit card debt. It's tough to, tough to get back into the swing of things. And he, he's, he says, I, I'm going to pay that off for you. $46,663.27 later, he says, I, I've given you a new start. Now, later on, uh, there was a couple weeks later, he's, he's paid off all of this debt, and he asked his three kids to come over to the house. You see, he's transitioning now. And, uh, he's decided to downsize some things. He's, he's selling off his home to move into a, a smaller residence, and he says, hey, uh, would you come over, and would you be willing to help me move some things? Uh, would you help me you know, move a couch, a few end tables, maybe a bed or two? Would you... Come on, help me, you know, get some of the dishes together and, and 
moved my home. So his three children show up early in the morning, and they're there. And by the day's end, they've packed up the U-Haul. They've gone down to the new home. They've unpacked all of dad's stuff. Uh, They've put it where he wants it to go. And a strange thing happens. The oldest son and the daughter come up to the dad. They they look at him, say, "Uh, hey, dad. Um, you know, we've been here all day. How much does this pay? The youngest son, not being in the room when all of this was happening, uh, came in and said, Hey, Dad, I know, know you're in the midst of transition. I wonder if you would be uh, willing to stay at my house tonight because I, I know you're still trying to get everything organized. Now, which one, of the, which one of the kids, which one of those daughters and sons really understood the gift that had been given? Uh, which one really understood uh, what it was that had just been handed to them only just a few weeks earlier? We're in this series, Great Reversal. And we have found over and over again that, that Jesus is, is constantly changing our expectations. He's constantly uh, taking what we expect to happen and really turning things around, turning things on their head. In fact, not only does he, he change things, but he, he changes people. And the, the people that we would expect to do things that we would expect them to do don't do what we expect. In fact, it's all those people that we don't expect to do stuff that ends up doing stuff. And and it's in that kind of framework that we get answers to the questions that we're asking this morning. Like, for those who have known a great debt, uh, for those who have known uh, the tremendous gift of the Father... What, what kind of things are expected of them? Uh, for those who have known uh, this tremendous debt that has already been forgiven, uh, what kind of requirements rest on their life? And Jesus gives us the answer. Uh, the issue that we have is that how he chooses to give us the answer isn't exactly how we expect and through whom we expect it. Will you join me this morning? We're going to be in Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. If you want to grab one of those pew Bibles in front of you, please go ahead and do so. Uh, it's going to be page 731. Page 731, Luke chapter 17. Now in this text, there's lots of scholars that have decided that that there are a number of things that uh, that Jesus says here that, that don't seem to come together. 
A number of, 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 of commentators uh, say, well, this is just that miscellaneous drawer of things that Jesus says uh, along a journey, and, and Luke just simply throws them into this passage, and it's just a, a, a simple collage with, with no real unity. And I, I kept looking at this uh, over and over and over again, saying, you know, that's not like Luke. And so we get into this story of healing and of tremendous faith that answers these kinds of questions about requirements for those who demonstrate uh, the kind of faithfulness that recognizes that a great debt has been forgiven. The kind of people that, that recognize that when they act in faith, there are some things that, uh, that the Lord requires of them. And so there is this story, in fact, it's the story of a, of a leper who comes and demonstrates a tremendous faith, and it is this story that really fuses all of these seemingly miscellaneous pieces. And we start at the end with the story, and then we look toward the beginning and say, aha, I see now what the Lord would require of me. I see now what the expectations for those who understand what it's like to have a great debt forgiven looks like. Lepers were unclean. In fact, if you were a leper and you had this horrible disease riddling your body, you would have to live in a colony that's outside the rest of the community, and for good reason, right? Uh, uh, leprosy is one of these diseases that you don't want to come in contact with, uh, highly contagious. Uh, you would infect the rest of the community, and, and no one would want to be a part of that. It would actually be uh, almost a, a bit of a social death sentence for you. If you were a leper, you would have to live outside. You couldn't go into worship. You couldn't go into here teaching. And so uh, there was a bit uh, where you would not get to see your, your family or your friends or worship God. Uh, you were all by yourself with your other leper friends. And Jesus happens to be traveling through in this portion of Luke's gospel, and he comes along, and it seems like they know he's coming, and they come out asking for mercy. Oh, Lord, have mercy on us. And what they want is what they've heard. They want to be healed. They want their life back. They want to be able to go and worship again. They want to embrace their children again. They want to embrace their wives and husbands again. They want to enter into their work field again. And so they come out and they ask of Jesus, have mercy on me, and Jesus heals them. And he tells them uh, to go uh, to the priest and, uh, you know, as they go, the text says they, they turn and they are healed. Uh, they have demonstrated some level of faith, uh, but there is this one leper who, who comes back. He comes back to Jesus. Now, here's where the story turns. Uh, here's where the reversal happens. Here's where the gasp goes out from all of the crowd that was listening to Jesus that day. It's a Samaritan. 
Samaritans by the Jews were seen as half-breeds, people who didn't know a whole lot about God. And this Samaritan uh, probably doesn't know all that much about God. Uh, He probably doesn't know all that much about who Jesus is, but he does know uh, that he was healed. And so he goes back to Jesus and he praises him. And, And it seems that Jesus sees deep into his heart, deep into his life, and he commends him for his faith. Uh, And and it seems like uh, what we have in the end of the story is not just simply uh, that he has faith enough so that Jesus would heal him physically, but a recognition on behalf of Jesus that this man has now been healed spiritually. And he joins the ongoing chorus of those in Luke's gospel who are breaking down barriers, uh, who are experiencing some kind of reversal on the, on, with the hands of Jesus. And he, he is fully healed physically and spiritually. And it's through this story that we understand all that Jesus says before it where we understand that Scripture interprets Scripture. Join me in verse 11, would you please? In verse 11. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the borders between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, now go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. For those that understand the great debt that has been forgiven for what God has done for them, what is it that is required of them? What is it that God expects? And it's through this unique story of Jesus that he, he tells us the answer. The first requirement of those who would uh, demonstrate this kind of faith, uh, that would understand the great debt that has been uh, forgiven them, is, is tremendous care when it comes to their community. Uh, They understand what it's like to live in in, in a community like this one uh, so that they can live together in in some bit of harmony. And sometimes that means dealing with sin. Look with me, would you, at verse 1 through 4. Jesus said to his disciples, "Uh, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. 
Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. One of the things that people do uh, when they know and recognize the debt that has been paid for them, they exercise their faith in regards to dealing with sin in the community. Now, that first part is this grave warning from God uh, that says, hey, don't be setting any traps for someone else to lead them intentionally into a sin. Don't set a trap for anybody knowing their particular weakness just so that you can get at them. Uh, Don't be uh, someone who decides that uh, because you recognize that someone maybe, uh, say, uh, is tempted in the area of alcohol, don't bring them over to a party where uh, you regularly offer them a beer. This isn't isn't the sort of thing that the community of Christ does. Uh, He says, woe to those whom those kinds of things come. In fact, he says, it would be better if there was a millstone. A millstone, uh, we live in an agricultural area. You're probably familiar with this. It was a a large stone that would be tied to a donkey, and and it it would really mill up the grain. It would break it up so that it could be sold later or used for food. This is an essential, uh, what Jesus is essentially saying is it would be better if you were dead than alive and did such a thing. So don't do that. But maybe more importantly is what he says next in regards to the sin that's against you. Uh, do you recognize what he says in the text? Uh, for those that understand this sort of debt and want to practice this sort of faith, he says, uh, if someone sins against you, rebuke them. Now, let me clarify a couple things. Rebuke is a seemingly harsh word. We, we don't often talk about, well, I went over to my friend's house today and I rebuked them for having sinned against me. No, no, we, we need to understand what it is and what it means to rebuke. Now, now, first off, uh, this isn't just an open uh, permission slip to rebuke people. This isn't us looking around the room and going, hmm, I know what you did last summer, and I remember what you did in college, and uh, I, I heard you laugh at an inappropriate joke the other day, and when you hit your, your hand with the hammer the other day, I heard a word come out of your mouth that wasn't very nice. No, it's not, an open, uh, it's not an open check. Jesus is not giving us a blank check to be able to go around and say, well, I know what you did, and I know what you did, and, and you're, a, you're a filthy, ugly sinner, and that's not what this is for. Uh, recognize that Jesus says here, for those who, who recognize this kind of debt that has been paid for them, uh, it's, it's for sins who have been committed against you. So if you have been sinned against If there's a person in this room that has sinned against you, that there has been some level of division between you and them for for some reason, perhaps the greatest care one can provide in the community is by uh, going alongside of them, not red-faced, not judgmental, not with uh, clenched fists, uh, but rather to come and put your arm around them and and talk them through what in the world has happened that 
the two of you are no longer speaking, that there has been hurt. You see, the sense of this passage is repair and restoration. So that the rebuke is actually a healing. We're putting a salve on the wound so that it might heal and so that the community might move forward. Did you recognize in verse 4 and 5 that the dominant theme is, is not rebuking, but repentance and forgiveness? Notice how many times in verse 4 and 5 a repentance and forgiveness come up. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you and say, I repent, you must forgive them. If, if they repent, forgive them. If they repent, forgive them. You can tell a lot about a person by how they rebuke someone. And Jesus seems to say here, if they say they're repenting, it's the requirement of those who understand already how much they have been forgiven that you would forgive others. That we would be ready to forgive, that we would be itching to forgive that we would look at the opportunity of coming back into relationship with someone and say, I want to forgive you. Do you recognize what Jesus doesn't say? He doesn't give us a litmus test of, well, I don't know. Is the repentance actual repentance? I mean, do they genuinely mean it? Can I tell you something? That's above our pay grade. We don't get to decide that, do we? We don't get to decide whether the person who has come to us seven times in a day, having committed the very same sin seven times, is actually repentant. Thank God for that. All we have to do is hear that they are repentant and know that our requirement the expectation upon us is that we would forgive. Let's let God decide whether there's heartfelt repentance. Let's let God decide whether or not they're being genuine in their repentance or not. Jesus is saying here, our job is to forgive. So for those of us who recognize and want to demonstrate faith, even faith as small as a mustard seed, one of the requirements that Jesus is making on our lives is that we would step into the community, the church, and we would step into some of the muck and the mire of the sin that entangles some of our lives, and we would rebuke it, and we would forgive now, in addition to handling some of the, uh, the communal things that uh, sometimes comes with those who want to demonstrate such faith that Jesus is going to say, hey, for those who have a faith as small as a mustard seed, tiny, they can do impossible things, and it affects how they serve. Look with me, would you, in verse 5? 
uh, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Oh, how many of us have said that? Oh, Lord, I just need more. I need more faith. I need more. And Jesus uh, seemingly doesn't answer them. He doesn't even uh, uh, blink. Notice his response is not, okay, I'll give you heaping loads more. He doesn't talk about the quantity of their faith. He's going to talk about the quality of it. Notice what he says in verse 6. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. Now, mulberry tree in the ancient world, uh, there were uh, groups of people uh, who, who suggested that mulberry trees would have roots that would go into the ground and they would stay there for 600 years. And Jesus is saying uh, for those that would have uh, the ounce of faith, the smallest little bit of quality faith, that they would be able to take this tree that would be in the ground for 600 years and go in the sea. For the smallest little bit of faith, our service is different. Notice what he says. Keep going in verse 7. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Wouldn't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink, and after that you may eat and drink? Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you're told to do, should say, we're unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. I have two children. Maybe the story should just end there. I have two children. Sometimes we uh, give them responsibilities around the house. Sometimes we'll say, hey, uh, I want you to take out the trash, or I want you to put something in the recycle bin, or I want you to work on cleaning up your room, or I want you to help mom around the house, or you need to come help to pick up branches in the yard. Are you with me? Every now and again, my children will say, well, dad, what does that pay? Nothing. You live here. You're a part of this family, and you get the privilege of being part of this family. And because you get the privilege of being part of this family, that means that you get to do things that families do together, which means cleaning up and doing dishes and, and picking up the yard. You see, when we have an ounce of faith, when we have a faith as small as a mustard seed, it affects how we serve God. Uh, we don't serve God so that uh, somehow after we get done serving, we can have a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling inside. We don't serve so that uh, we can come back to God and hold out our hands and say, well, uh, God, where's my reward? Jesus is saying, for those who would have an ounce of faith, who recognize what it is that's been done for them, they serve because they recognize the family that they're a part of. When you're part of this family, you get to serve that way. Good for you. And you're not looking down the road and going, oh, well, I hope that this means I'll get a, a good, uh, you know, feather in my cap because God's in charge. Now, let me say, 
When God's in charge, there's some good things that happen along the way. Uh, When you decide to jump on board God's family, you might find yourself going places you never thought possible. And when you come back to God in prayer, uh, when you come back to places like this where we worship with one another, you have an opportunity to go, wow, you would not believe the things that I have gotten to do because I have been part of this. I've gotten to travel all over the world. I love travel, but I never thought I would travel. I've gotten to experience and meet people all because they belong to God's family. But we don't come with this faith going, so what's this pay, God? What's the reward? Now, we're not done. There's one more thing. What's expected of those who have faith? What's the requirement of those who who demonstrate that they know that a debt has been forgiven? Well, the leper tells us they pause and they praise. Uh, Look at verse 18, would you please? Jesus says, has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And he says to him, rise and go, your your faith has made you well. What are those things in your life that are founded on something that God has given Uh, You see, uh, this story unfolds. Uh, You have this guy who's come to be healed, and he pauses, unlike anybody else, so that he might go back and worship. Now, sometimes good things happen to us, and, and I wonder if we're tempted, instead of saying and turning back to the Father and saying, man, thank you, Lord. Instead of saying a prayer to ourselves, Lord, that was great, thanks. Instead of returning to places like this and and lifting our voices and maybe our hands or or, or maybe in prayer just simply saying, man, God, I'm unworthy to be called your servants. If we're tempted to say, boy, aren't I lucky? I'm sure lucky. And instead, maybe what we ought to be doing is turning around and saying, Lord, I am so grateful for all you've done. A couple weeks ago, I needed to make a repair on our car. Uh, We have this silver Honda Pilot, and... uh, a sensor came on about one of the airbag sensors being dysfunctional. So I did what anybody would do. I went down to the, the garage and I asked the uh, mechanic, I said, hey, what, what do you think this would cost me if I brought the car in and, and had this repaired? He said, oh, it's going to cost at least 350 400 bucks. Now, I don't know what 350 to 400 bucks sounds to you, but that sounds like a lot to me. So then I did what any self-respecting man would do. I went to YouTube. How to fix impact sensor on 04 Honda Pilot. I found a video. All you have to do is you got to pop the bumper off, 
Got to get underneath of there. You got to take the, the, the reservoir for your, your washer fluid out. You got to move a couple other things, take a couple screws out. Voila. $45 part, three hours of labor. I was getting into that. I pulled the bumper off. And I thought the sensor was going to be right there. I mean, that's kind of how they showed it in the video. So I'm looking, and I'm not finding. And I'm thinking, I'm in trouble. You're not supposed to say amen to that. (laughs) So I decide, okay, I'm already halfway into this. The bumper's already off. I can do this. Don't panic. I go back into the house, I look up a forum, I get on Google, look up a forum. Hey, what, what are people saying about this? I get on the first forum, it reads a couple of things. Don't forget to disconnect the battery. That's a great idea. Because you know what's going to happen if I do find the sensor and I start messing around with it and I haven't disconnected the battery? The airbags are going to go off. So I go back out to the car. I disconnect the battery. I find the, uh, the, uh, uh, the impact sensor. I finish up the job. I put it all back together, and nothing wrong happens. Now, I could say that I was just lucky. I could walk away and say, ah, you know what, God, thanks. I I guess I was just lucky. But instead that day, I I remember in my mind, as I went back out to undo those terminals on that battery, Lord, thank you. It It was a short moment. It was a pause so that I could praise. Do you have moments where you need to do that? Uh, do you have moments where uh, things could be going all wrong or all right and, and, and something happens in an extraordinary way in your life? Uh, maybe you've uh, had an opportunity at a new job. Uh, maybe the Lord has gifted you with an opportunity at an education. Uh, whatever the case might be, it, will you pause to praise because you recognize the debt that's been given, that's been forgiven? And will you allow a mustard seed of faith to lead you to worship God? Because when, when we have faith like that, it demonstrates itself in our community. It shows up in our service, and it walks with us in our worship. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you so much for who you are and how you organize our life and how you uh, uh, just speak to us through your word. Lord, I pray that we're transformed. I pray that we will not be satisfied with where we are. I pray, Lord, that you will just plant a rock in our shoe as we leave and that we will allow there to be a quality of faith to our life that that doesn't just show up on Sunday mornings, but Lord, that lives with us through the rest of our life. 
Lord, I pray that if there are, are, is a great need for us to, uh, to rebuke one another so that there might be healing within the community, Lord, I pray that that kind of rebuke is done with the great care and compassion that you have rebuked us. Lord, I pray that uh, our service to you would be a service unattached because we recognize that we're part of your family. We wouldn't be looking for some silver lining. We would recognize it's already been given. And Lord, I pray that day after day after day as good things happen, Lord, that we would come back and we would kneel before you and we would allow it to be pause for praise and worship. Lord, would you just guide our life every moment, every thought with every person? We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.